Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit SchoolAI.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's SchoolAI.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E dot com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This is part of the Summer of AI series on Transformative Principle. It is brought to you by AILeader.info. You can go to AILeader.info to stay on the cutting edge of artificial intelligence development specifically focused on you as an educator by learning through three-minute masterclasses that are simple and easy to understand. Go check it out at AILeader.info. I am excited to have Dr. Jeremy Tucker on the program today. He is a superintendent of Liberty Public Schools in the northeastern part of Kansas City. Uh, that is in the Missouri side. And during his time in LPS, the district opened Epic Elementary, a 2022 National Blue Ribbon School, partnered with industry to create Kansas City Tech Academy, established the Unschool Challenge, and rolled out several micro schools, including HMS by Design, Edge, North Nation by Design, and Warren Hills Reimagined. These innovations evolved through a commitment to answering the question of what does it mean to be learner-centered and always thinking about what lies at the edge of vision. In 2017, Liberty Public Schools was accepted into the Digital Promise League of Innovative Schools. League districts pioneer innovative learning and leadership practices that lead to improved outcomes for students and help prepare them for learning for life. Uh, Dr. Tucker has led the LPS community in designing a graduate profile, establishing a vivid vision, development of an equity-centered strategic plan, and advanced real-world learning networks across the Kansas City metropolitan area. He was identified in 2016-17 as a 20-to-watch educator by the National School Boards Association, and in 2019, he was named the Missouri Superintendent of the Year. I'm excited to have Dr. Tucker on the show today to talk about artificial intelligence, what it means for the future, and how we can manage it right now. Uh, Jeremy, thank you for being on Transformative Principle. Excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Good to be with you. 
So what from this episode really stands out to you that uh, you really want people to listen for and pay attention to as they're listening? Yeah, I think it's just a, a conversation around artificial intelligence, um, how it's progressing, evolving quickly, rapidly, um, but then also how we can, as educational leaders, begin thinking about its application into our various roles, right? Whether you're a classroom teacher, a building leader, a central office leader, or in a support services role, um, we need to be thinking about it if we're not already, not to be afraid or worried about the change that's coming, but then really trying to get out in front of it and think differently about our craft, about our work, about learning, and how we can really kind of grow into this uh, process and evolution, because we know it's not going backward. If anything, it's accelerating faster than ever, um, and we certainly need to be able to be learners alongside this evolution. Yeah, very good. I agree. I think one thing that you say in this interview that keeps coming back to me is bringing up this idea of the human element and focusing on that and how you can't lose sight of it. And I think that that's just really important. And uh, so appreciate you being here. We'll get to this interview with Dr. Jeremy Tucker from Liberty Public Schools in Missouri in just a moment. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool, it's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part? It's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. So Jeremy, what are the big things that you see about artificial intelligence and how it's going to impact your district this year? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's uh, probably first and foremost understanding uh, kind of what we mean by that in terms of the the scope and reach of artificial intelligence from what we're used to, um, but then also how rapidly it is evolving. Um, so kind of the initial thought is in and around data and data analytics um, and how we leverage artificial intelligence to make our work a little easier. Um, so here we are in assessment season in the state of Missouri and our year-end year assessments and data being shared with us from prior years and trying to make sense of some of that. So I wonder how we might be able to leverage AI to be able to sift through and make certain that we're looking at all of the themes and areas of improvement or areas of success um, different than what we've done in the past as far as kind of, you know, the old elbow grease of leaders and teachers diving in and doing that work themselves. There's a lot of value in that. But at the same time, can we leverage artificial intelligence to be able to make sure that we're not missing things or even going a little bit deeper or looking at things from different angles and how we build kind of those inputs and parameters and leveraging artificial intelligence? That's one thought for me lately. 
Um, and how do I tap into those experts that know it much better than I do? Um, the second thing that I would say is just as an evolving field, all of the opportunities that are going to exist in the future and begin thinking about how we position our instruction, our curriculum, our opportunities and access for this space and this field. Um, I saw something earlier this week in and around jobs that would be eliminated, but then also jobs that could be created. And fortunately, I think the number I saw was around 1.8 million jobs that might be eliminated, but then countering that with, you know, somewhere in the range of 2.3 million jobs that can be created um, from this work or shifted, right? So we need to start those conversations and then thinking about how that plays out into our system and readying students, but then also readying educators to be able to think about their content area, think about their grade level, and how they're able to incorporate the work within that space for, for the future that students are going to see. Yeah, I, I think that that piece is really valuable of how ad, adults in schools manage this, because yeah. what we know is that kids adopt technology very comfortably. They They bring it into their lives very easily because it's all around them all the time. So, you know, thinking about jobs that could be created and leveraging artificial intelligence to help us do our work. What are some of the things that you see as far as what is going like, what is that going to look like for your district as a whole? Do you see jobs being lost in your district? Do you see jobs being created in your district? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think that could happen certainly over time as far as the loss of positions, but I think in the near term, um, it's really about how we do our jobs differently, um, in my opinion, better in terms of leveraging some of these tools that are at our fingertips, right, um, to complement the work that we do. I think as I've studied this and talked about it in our community and how you roll out technology and kind of what is that sweet spot as it relates to technology integration, there's always going to be the need for a human element. Right. Even if it's just a deeper understanding of artificial intelligence to make certain we know how it works and its advantages or its pitfalls. So there's always the need to have that human perspective, I feel. At the same time, though, we still spend a lot of time doing things in the traditional um, sense as far as our traditional systems or processes and practices as compared to, hey, there's a tool for this that then we can take it to another level. Um, you know, I think about community engagement, of course, from a superintendent standpoint and leveraging, you know, groupthink and group feedback and some of those tools that exist to kind of, you know, synthesize through a vast array of information to get to the sentiment of a community or a particular group, be it a focus group of parents, of staff, of students. I think that's what causes us to think about our roles and our jobs and working a little bit smarter. Uh, by leveraging some of these tools. The other piece that we know is a consistent challenge is the interoperability of systems, where we have a slew of platforms, I'm sure like any workplace or organization or industry, but they oftentimes don't talk well one with another. Perhaps this serves as a bridge between those varying platforms as we think about kind of that iterative process um, to make sure that all of our systems are talking well one with another. Yeah, I want to go back to the thing you were saying about uh, getting feedback from the community and speaking at a, a larger scale to larger groups of people and finding out what they really feel about something. Um, so mm -hmm. I recently did a, an assistant principal workshop and worked with a, about 40 assistant principals in helping them 
uh, learn how to move up and become better. And whether, whether that meant getting the principal job or not didn't really matter, but here's the point of all of that. At the end of the session, we gave them a survey question, which is a very typical thing to do. And all of the survey responses were open-ended. Now, the thing that's nice about multiple choice questions is that it makes it really easy for you to say, here's what everybody said about this one, everybody said about this one. And what you're talking about with this getting feedback from people is making the qualitative data, quantitative data, rather than it being this open-ended, everybody says what they want, and then you've got to do all this extra work to figure out how people feel about things. I was able to sort those things into categories easily and effectively. So the workshop had three parts to it, show up, lead up, level up. And I was able to take their feedback from what they said was valuable to them and using AI to categorize their categorize their open-ended responses into those three categories of which was the most beneficial to them or which had the impact that they remembered when they filled out the survey. And what I think is really powerful here is being able to take take those open-ended opportunities and add a quantitative aspect to it so that we can understand the bigger picture better, but still allow people to respond individually. You know, if you say which one was most beneficial, A, B, or C, then you get some information. But when you say what was most beneficial, and then people say anything they want, then you get a whole different kind of information. And there's a lot more to that. But what are your what are your thoughts about that kind of an approach for your, for your system itself? No, I think you're spot on. It's kind of like boiling the ocean, right? Where you've got all of these inputs and you're trying to get down to, you know, what are the key priorities or themes that surface in the feedback you're getting. And there are some tools out there that do that, certainly. And we've leveraged some of those in our community and the work that we do. Um, A very simplistic example would be, you know, the old word cloud or the wordles where you put all of these uh, inputs and then you have kind of those key words that surface. My only caution in that is I think there's a valuable skill that could be lost if we lean too much on the technology to do the work. And that's perhaps losing the skill or disposition of what it takes to navigate, you know, critical thinking or being analytical and so forth. So it may be twofold. Maybe the first part of that is allowing leaders, educators, even students to get their hands dirty with the feedback, right? The open-ended responses or looking at those, you know, quantifiable pieces and, um, you know, multiple choice and looking at the data and doing that. And then a second part might be leveraging some of those AI tools, right? That then gives you kind of a cross-reference or a cross-check. Did I really capture everything or did I miss something that AI might be able to pull out? So it's not necessarily one or the other. I think it's a little bit of both. If we solely lead on the technology platform or tool or artificial intelligence to do the culling and vetting and theming for us, right, then I I lose that skill as an individual and I'm so reliant on the tool or the platform. So then how do we make sure that students, teachers, leaders have the ability to live in both worlds, to continue to grow in their critical thinking and and analytical abilities uh, but then again, leverage those tools. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And and so one of the things that I've learned as I've done a lot of work with AI over the last few months is that it's if you give it bad information, it usually spits out bad information. And yeah. so the 
the need to be a critical thinker, I think is even more valuable than mm-hmm. it was before, because you really have to evaluate, did I get it? Did I give it good information from the beginning? So I, I'm not sure that I see the the critical thinking going away, just like a, a, a similar analogy is uh, understanding how computers work and and things like that. I understand how computers work because I grew up with them, but not everybody my age did. My dad was an early adopter and we had a computer in the house from as long as I can remember. And so uh, I used MS-DOS and things like that and could figure things out. My understanding of how computers works allows me to understand when a computer has a problem and how I can fix it. But understanding how they work doesn't uh, give me much of an edge in a lot of everyday tasks that people use the computers for. So how do you respond to that, that maybe maybe that's that's not something that will be lost? No, I agree. I think it's just different, right? And I, I go back and I liken it to Geigo effect, right? Garbage in, garbage out. That shows my age a little bit, but it is entirely about those inputs. Um, the value in the machine learning aspect of it is the machine's ability to identify and learn from the data, identify those patterns um, with pretty limited guidance as far as human intervention, right? So I think you're absolutely right. But what I don't want us to miss is that critical thinking piece in the sense that people get to a point where they just you know, take a CSV file, upload it to a platform, and then sit back without truly understanding how things are working, right? Um, that's as, as simple or as technical, whichever way you look at that, um, as I can try to make it. But how do we coach kids through that in terms of here's your growth toward critical thinking across a K-12 continuum. And at each level, you're going to go deeper, but then you're eventually going to get to the point where you're applying it in real world learning experiences, interfacing with new tools and new platforms. Um, I think it's an evolution for sure. That's very interesting. Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool, it's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations, check. Automatic citations, check. Real-time feedback for educators, you bet. And the best part is, it's not just about making tasks easier, about freeing up time for higher-level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E dot com. So what would be the things that you would would direct your teachers and your staff to be to be focusing on as you look to adapt or adopt some sort of AI tool in in your school district. Yeah, so I would say it's it's not an emer- it's not an emerging field, right? Uh-huh. Where it's it's with us and it's probably um rap at a rapid pace. So it, it's accelerating, right? From a standpoint of where we'll be in six months and 12 months and a year out, it's probably worth 
um, starting with we're all learners and we need to learn in this space and learn in this area. We consider ourselves fairly progressive as far as, you know, technology integration and project-based and real-world learning and all of those areas. Um, but at the same time, we constantly see things that are evolving. So it's really twofold. It's kind of that care for the present and the work that we do while at the same time enabling the future, right? And we want to live in both worlds. Um, at times we're learning um, or leading, depending on the area, um, seeing how other districts, other industries are doing. At the classroom level, how does this fit into my content area? How does this fit into my particular grade level? Um, how do I incorporate real world learning experiences in and around this field or in this area, right? A quick example, obviously chat GPT is kind of a hot topic and how that integrates into curriculum or in some districts doesn't. We don't want to have anything to do with it. Some districts are taking that approach. What I'm most excited about is those teachers that are thinking about it differently. How do I integrate that into my classwork? Where perhaps, yeah, I interface and I include some parameters and say, hey, I want you to write an essay about a particular topic. I take that essay and then I give it to students and say, okay, based on these principles or these rules from a gram grammatical standpoint or sentence structure, whatever the case may be, let's talk about this. Um, you know, what's the voice? What's the sentiment of the piece of writing that's, you know, generated by chat GPT? I was talking to my senior daughter the other day, and she's been to graduations with me for the last, you know, 15 years as a superintendent, and she's heard a lot of my graduation speeches. Uh -huh. And she asked for this year, since she's a senior, hey, dad, are you going to use your same graduation speech? And we had a good laugh about it because she was pretty quickly able to recite some of my common, you know, comments and sentences that I use. Well, then I told her, I said, that's fine. So I went to chat GPT. I said, I need a high school graduation speech. Mentioned my daughter, Madison. Um, and so within a couple minutes, I had a pretty good graduation speech that was written up. And then I did it again. I said, hey, write a funny high school graduation speech. Mentioned my daughter, Madison. And sure enough, I got another version of that. I'm not going to use either of those, but at the same time, I thought that was a pretty fascinating exercise um, that we had a good chuckle about. Yeah, the thing that's amazing to me is how so much of that creative stuff that I, I think most people in education thought that automation and things would would take away non-creative jobs and non-creative opportunities and what we've definitely seen, especially with ChatGPT, is that it can do a lot of the creative things that we we haven't been thinking it could do. And it leapfrogged way faster than we thought and got to that point where it was doing that. Um, so let me ask you a question. Is there a difference between a teacher using resources from ChatGPT for a lesson and a teacher using resources from Teachers Pay Teachers? for a lesson? And how do you look at both of those external, uh, don't know what's going on in my school district, don't know what's going on in my classroom kind of approaches to curriculum modification or customization, if you will? Uh, that is a great question. And I've not really thought too much about that until now, but we are an open educational resource district where we moved away from, you know, traditional textbook adoption to using and leveraging, you know, what's available online and curating content and, you know, developing our curriculum resources that way. Even doing that, we've had to be mindful about, you know, who is the author of this particular piece or what association or organization or agenda or political affiliation 
um, is behind those particular curricular resources, right? Um, so take that and apply it to this space as well. Teachers pay teachers or, you know, something that's generated by an AI platform or chat G GPT. Um, I think that's my only guidance that I would want to give is to really understand, you know, whether it's a primary source document or a tertiary source, whatever the case may be, you know, the validity of the resource or the research that is kind of behind the curtain or that's kind of behind or unseen. Um, we try to teach students that in terms of assessing and evaluating sources. Um, you know, what is what's not a valid resource as compared to what is a, a, a you know, a reputable uh, resource. Um, I think there's the need to probably put some parameters in place to help teachers navigate that when they select some of those resources. That would be my initial thoughts in terms of navigating, you know, a, a chat GPT generated lesson plan, for example. Um, I think veteran teachers are certainly going to be able to navigate that. A newer teacher may need some guidance um, just to ensure that they're navigating things, particularly right now in a, a political climate in which we live across the country. Yeah, so so those things certainly come up and in the, in the bias within whatever additional resources right. that you're using, you need to be aware of what that is and what the connections are and how people are going to experience that and what their uh, relationship to that is going to be. And certainly something that is not, you know, unique to the advent of, of artificial intelligence tools, but something that's been going on for a long time in our country specifically. That's right. Uh, so, so on that, um, remind me to ask you later who your expert on OER is not part sure. of the podcast, but I just don't want to forget that, that I want to, talk more about that in a minute. Um, but relating to this idea of bringing in these sources from outside of your classroom, do you feel that your teachers spend a lot of time, a little time, a medium amount of time uh, gathering resources or has OER helped you guys do that in a better way so that teachers have what they need at their fingertips? And would having a tool that's using AI to, to surface some of those things be be a, a thing that would save time or would just be another task for teachers to do? No, great points. Um, so we've been kind of on this OER journey for, you know, the last seven or eight years. Um, so you think about traditional resource adoption in a school district, right, where you're looking at a variety of textbooks and making that decision typically through committees that then gets you to a board recommendation and action, Okay. We're used to that. We've lived that in the past. When you insert OER in our setting, we offer those curricular teams choice where they're still looking at some of those, you know, textbook opportunities and adoptions that we're used to seeing. But then we're also kind of equipping them, educating them around uh, open educational resources. At the end of that conversation, there's a lot of onus at the teacher level as to which they feel is the best. And quite frankly, we have some that are completely open ed resources. We have some that are up, we really want that textbook for whatever reason and the resources that come with that. And then we also have a blend, right? Um, so then we take that to the next level in terms of professional development for our teachers when selecting resources, particularly OER resources and how to navigate that be thoughtful about it, how to message with parents and convey, you know, here's why we selected this resource or use this particular approach. I say all that to say, 
if you had an open ed resource tool um, through artificial intelligence that did some of that work for you, phenomenal. But at the same time, we want that human understanding, like we talked about earlier with critical thinking, that then takes it to another level. Um, you probably want a similar structure or process in place um, to be able to ensure that you know the, the tool that's being leveraged really meets the need at the teacher and the classroom and the student level. So talking about professional development now, do you, because I'm sensing a theme that there's this human element that you don't want to lose. And I think this is so vital to what we're talking about across all of these uh, different ways that we could be implementing artificial intelligence in our schools, that if, if an AI tutor exists that is better than a human, we should definitely use that. I have a hard time believing that that is always going to be the case. I believe that the human to human connection is powerful and very, very difficult to replicate with technology. And, uh, and so that's my stance is that we need to have the human connection there, the human understanding, the human perspective, perhaps someday those things can be faked. I don't know, but as it relates to professional development, do, do you see it as valuable to spend time uh, teaching teachers about artificial intelligence or how to navigate it or things like that? And where are you thinking with that as as you approach the new school year of, because you know teachers are going to be spending the summer preparing for next year and they they may be finding tools that are going to be helpful to them. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, yes, and yes, right? So <laughs> yeah. agree with everything you've shared. Definitely exposure is kind of the first thing that comes to mind, exposing teachers and students to what's out there, what's possible, um, in particular other industries that are leveraging technologies already or differently than what we do in a, a K-12 space, pre-K-12 space. I think that's where you don't know what you don't know. And we do a fairly good job of whether it's field trips for our administrators and teachers, externships, you know, shadow opportunities um, to learn from other industries. And so that's that's an area that comes to mind. Um, but then equally important, what do we learn from those externships or those, you know, those other industries that we can then apply to the work that we do in pre-K-12? Um, I think that's the initial piece for me. You know, I think about language acquisition. Back to your question around, you know, that human element, does that ever go away and we just relinquish some pieces to, you know, computer technology? You could absolutely relinquish some language acquisition in courses to, um, you know, computer technology. And that's that those processors are getting um, better and better in terms of kind of the language components. However, you can't replace immersion, for example, and the opportunity to travel abroad. Um, we had a group from one of our high schools that recently did some work down in South America, and they came back with phenomenal experiences. They knew the language a little bit. They knew the culture prior to visiting, but there's no substitute for that actual boots on the ground um, experience. And so um, I think, again, it's a combination of the two. And I'll anchor back to what we always hear from our teachers, our students, and our parents, our community when we have the conversation around, you know, what are those areas of strength of our district? And I think this is probably too true in any district. It starts with those human elements. It's relationships. It's focusing on belonging, on well-being, on mental health. And then we slide into some of those academic curricular areas, right? 
I certainly wouldn't ever want those pieces to go away or take a back seat in and around this conversation. I think that's really valuable to to call out and, and bring to the attention. So you're a superintendent and you have lots of things on your plate and it's uh, there's always something going on. If you could have an AI tool that just made a part of your life easier and just took it off your plate and allowed you to not have to stress about that, what would that be? Engagement is what comes to mind um, at a lot of levels, the student level, the teacher level, the parent level, the broader community level, and even interacting to some degree at the state and national level, right, as it relates to kind of the legislative arena and things we navigate. So if, if I could design a tool, it would probably be around improving two-way communication and engagement opportunities, um, of which I'm receiving feedback and able to push information out as well, but then also perhaps generates, you know, we might consider these options as far as that face-to-face piece, that human piece. So it takes you back to that face-to-face component and building of relationships, but it starts with, you know, here's a canvassing of, you know, the uh, community or the region um, around engagement needs, and then we can respond to accordingly in putting some solutions in place. Um, For me, I think that would be invaluable. And I can seek out particular topics. I can seek out particular demographics or particular groups as we want to make sure that all voices are heard. And then this tool kind of generates based on my district's footprint or my region or my state as I kind of build those parameters into it. Um, You know, here's what you're hearing around these different rings or these different spheres of influence um, along the way. I think that's powerful. Um, If you were to have asked me the same question years ago as a classroom teacher, teaching history and social studies and all that comes with that, it might be a completely different answer. Um, But based on the world where I live as a superintendent, I think engagement is key these days and how we can take that um, to a level of trust building and really move forward beyond that as we kind of recapture trust during this post-pandemic period. Yeah. Uh, really fascinating ideas and something that I want to just dip a toe into, if I may, is imagine there's so many people who tell someone besides you what they really think about the district and what the district needs to do. If there were a way to make it really easy, easier for them to tell you what needs to be improved than to tell their friends, that, that to me would be the key uh, the magic that would happen that I, I don't want to be like a surveillance state where anytime somebody brings up anything about school, then it like filters it up to the superintendent. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But how could you make it so easy for someone to say, this is a frustration, a problem with the district that I'm having, and the the right person needs to be able to hear about it rather than you know, complaining to the neighbor or the friend or the cousin or whatever. Um, Those, those kinds of things I think are really powerful. And I just as an addendum to that, uh, my interview with Seth Godin on this podcast, where he talked about enrollment, as opposed to engagement, I think is a really powerful idea as well, that if you have enrollment, and people are invested and believe in the process, and they're choosing to participate, then you get much better feedback, because they have 
this feeling of ownership because they're enrolled in it. And so that uh, those are some interesting things here. Well, um, Jeremy, if people want to uh, learn more from you or connect with you further, is there a way you'd like them to do that? Yeah. So um, as far as uh, the district, you can visit us at uh, lps53.org to learn more about our district. Um, On a personal level, uh, my email is jeremy.tucker at lps53.org. And then as far as Twitter at jtucker.tm, you can find me on Twitter as well. So always uh, look forward for new ideas and opportunity to collaborate across sectors, across industries. So appreciate the time spent this afternoon. Oh, thank you very much. Been a pleasure chatting with you.